Would you turn with me to the book of Hebrews? The book of Hebrews, chapter 3, as we continue our series of studies in Hebrews. And let me ask you, as you turn to Hebrews chapter 3, when giving instructions to your children, or if you're a grandparent, when giving instructions to your grandchildren, you do that, right? When you give instructions to them, when would you like them to pay attention? <laughs> when would you like them to pay attention? I hear, I hear the, the, um, I hear the, the, the laughter of understanding, right? When would you like them to pay attention? My grandfather, my, my father's father, I remember him so well. He was such a joy, passed away when I was about 11. But I remember in the, in the, the, the la- his last couple of years as his health began to wane, gathering together as a family, getting to visit my grandparents and hear my grandfather tell stories, stories that I had heard before, (laughs) that he evidently forgot he'd told me before. Because when he started to tell me, I would say, but Grandpa, you've already, and he would say, just be quiet and listen. (laughs) He'd start telling the story. I'd say, but Grandpa, you already, just be quiet and listen. I'm so glad he told his stories again and again. Maybe he forgot, maybe he didn't forget that he told me those stories, because I remember many of them. And they're fun to retell to my children, but he wanted me to listen right then, right? It's okay if you didn't, it's okay if you heard this before, just shut up and listen. He's, you know, he, he, I don't think he ever said shut up, but he was, he could be a, a gruff fellow, but he loved the Lord. And he was a godly man, and he he lived a, a a transformed life when he when he began following Christ faithfully in his adult years and became a pastor of a little country church while working in a factory and farming. Can you believe that? He farmed and he worked in a factory full time, and he pastored a little country church. I don't know how he did it, but he wanted me to listen. He wanted me to hear what he had to say. He had wisdom. When do you want your children to listen? When do you want your grandchildren to listen? You want them to, when do you want them to pay attention? You want them to pay attention right now, right? Now. You want them to pay attention right now. In, in other words, you want them to pay attention on this day and not tomorrow. Don't put off tomorrow what you need to pay attention to today, right? You want them to pay attention right now, and you want them to not only listen and pay attention, but if you're giving them instruction, what are you hoping they'll do with that instruction? You want them to obey right now. And if they appear to listen, but yet put off what you've instructed them to do and do it tomorrow, are you going to be happy with them about that? Probably not. You know, you might say, well, good, you obeyed, but you should have done it yesterday, right? I told you to do that yesterday. I instructed you about that yesterday. How come you waited a day? Great, you did what I asked, but you didn't do it yesterday. (laughs) I happen to think that a good parent or grandparent should expect or and (laughs) require timely obedience. 
And a very big reason for why I believe that that is important is because God makes very clear in his word that this is exactly what he expects of his children. Obedience, not tomorrow, today. And I think you're going to see that truth right away in the text this morning as we start with verse 7. Hebrews chapter 3, follow along as I start in verse 7 and I read to the end of chapter 3. Therefore, verse 7 says, Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was provoked with that generation and said, they always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. And so verse 12 says, Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day as long as it is called today that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin, for we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. As it is said today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For who were those who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not all those who left Egypt, led by Moses, and with whom? Was he provoked for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness, and to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? So we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. So far in our studies in the book of Hebrews, we have heard loud and clear that Jesus is better than the prophets, right? Chapter 1, better than angels and better than Moses. And because of this, we're learning that we must pay attention to and listen to and look to Jesus with faith. In chapter 1, verse 2, the writer says, but in these last days... He, God, has spoken to us by His Son. In other words, Jesus is God's final word to mankind. Don't miss the importance of this. Jesus is God's final word to mankind in these last days. And then we heard the implication of this in chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. And so important is this truth that we must keep our eyes fixed, our eyes of faith fixed on the one whom God appointed the heir of all things through whom also he created the world. So important is this truth that we must pay much closer attention to all that we hear in God's word about the one who saves us from our sins. Chapter 3 begins this way. Verse 1, you can back up to the beginning of chapter 3, verse 1. Therefore, we keep hearing that. Therefore, 
the writer is pointing back to what he said. Okay, So just, just go back and review. If you don't remember what I said, therefore, because of all of what, I, what you've heard up to now in chapters 1 and 2, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession. Because of all this, the writer says, if you, if you need a refresher, says the writer, go back and look, because, because of this, consider Jesus holy brothers. Because of all we know about who Jesus is and what he has done, that he is far better than the prophets, far better than the angels, and, and as we heard last time, far better than Moses. Greater than all, greater than anything, greater than everything, consider Jesus holy brothers because, because of who he is. Believers in Christ must keep looking to Christ. You understand that? Because those who truly believe in Jesus keep considering Jesus, keeping eyes of faith fixed on Christ. Otherwise, they drift. Right? Chapter 2, verse 1. Those who truly believe in Jesus Christ Keep considering Jesus. Keep eyes of faith fixed on Christ as they live seeking to obey God's word. And I say seeking to obey God's word because you know, like like I know, we don't always obey, do we? We struggle with that because we're still walking about in these earthly tents. These bodies, right? As Charles Spurgeon writes, Oh, that he had, he, Jesus, had more consideration at our hands. Consider him. You cannot know all his excellence, all his value to you, except he is the subject of your constant meditation. In other words, think on Christ constantly. Consider him, says Spurgeon, think of his nature, his offices, his work, his promises, his relation to you. Consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. As he points to Hebrews 3. Now why does God in his word put so much emphasis on this? Why are we seeing this again and again in Hebrews in these first three chapters to to consider Jesus, to remember, lest you forget, lest you drift. Why? Why the emphasis? Why is this so important that we must consider and keep considering Jesus? It's important because of what we heard at the end of our study last time in, in the first six verses of chapter 3, but I'll, I'll just take you to, to verse 6. Go, go to look, look at verse 6 here in chapter 3, Hebrews. The first part of verse 6 says, But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. Christ is what? Faithful. The Lord Jesus Christ was completely faithful and obedient to God the Father. God the Son, completely faithful and obedient to God God the Father in His work here on earth, right? He came was born as a babe, lived a sinless life, suffered, and died in obedience to the Father. That was the Father's desire, His 
plan, his will. And Jesus came and fulfilled the Father's will. Became fully obedient in death. Even death on a cross. And so, and so we see verse 6 says, Christ, Christ is faithful. That's interesting. Is faithful, right? Christ is faithful. The Lord is not done. He, he, yes, he cried out on the cross. It is finished, right? He paid the price for our sins and then he died and then he was buried. But on the third day, he rose again and he lives and is seated at the right hand of the Father, right? Because he is faithful. Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. Christ is faithful. Faithful. The Lord Jesus Christ was completely faithful and obedient to the Father in his work here on earth, and he continues to be faithful over God's house as a son. That was the comparison we saw last time between Jesus and Moses in the previous verses. Jesus is over the house, right? Jesus is over the house. Moses is what? Part of the house. Now the comparison starts out by pointing to how great Moses was, and Moses was great. But the, the problem that's introduced here is when we realize that Moses was a man, right? And so he's not perfect. He was not perfect. We know that he had problems. Moses was great, but he he's a man, and that means he's imperfect. And as great as Moses was, those imperfections showed at times, like, like ours do. But Jesus is the maker, the creator, the maker, the perfect, sinless creator. And Moses is the created and is a part of the house that Jesus is over as provider and keeper as the son over the house. And so that's the comparison that we saw last time in these earlier verses here in chapter 3. And then at the end of verse 6 it says, and we are his house if, if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting in our hope. And I'm saying that this is why there is so much emphasis here on considering Jesus. That word, there's a little tiny two-letter word in verse 6, if. We are his house, if. Very important what comes next. If indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting and our hope. You want to hold fast your confidence and your boasting and your hope? Consider Jesus. Keep considering Jesus. In other words, keep walking with Christ. In other words, get Get God's word into you. And don't stop getting it in. Pouring it into your mind, into your heart, into your life, into your soul. Let God's word speak to you and change you and turn you inside out, so to speak, right? From the inside out, become more like his son. Consider Jesus. Keep walking with Christ by faith. That's what's required this side of heaven, right? Because we walk by faith, not by sight. And hold fast to Christ. And keep holding fast to him. Keep holding fast 
In other words, to the truth of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, you are not done needing the gospel once you've professed faith in Christ. You have just begun needing the gospel. You and I need to remind ourselves of the wonderful truths of the gospel every day. Because God sent his son, his son was faithful and obedient, his son took on himself the punishment for our sins. God poured out his just wrath on his son. Jesus suffered and died. The perfect son, the sinless son, suffered and died. He got what we deserved. We get what he deserves if we put our faith in him. And we are his house, if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting and our hope, verse 6. And this is not suggesting that one could possibly lose their salvation. That would oppose the clear teaching of God's word, that all who put their faith in Christ are kept secure in Christ for all eternity. For example, says Jesus in John 10, 28, I give them Note that, I, Jesus, give them life. John 10, 28, I give them, Jesus says, eternal life. And they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. What part of that is you? (laughs) Faith, if you want to put yourself in there, in anything that you do in, in your salvation, faith in Christ. Otherwise, it's all Jesus. And that's the gospel that you need to remind yourselves of, of every day as you, as you get up and you clothe yourself. And I hope you put the word of God in you and you go out to your day to interact with people in this world who need Christ. You need him. You need to consider Jesus. You need his his life in you, and you have his life in you if you've put your faith in Jesus Christ. You have the Holy Spirit indwelling you, and you have his word to equip you. And so you remind yourself of the wonderful truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that he gives all those who put faith in him eternal life. And, and let's just personalize it. I will never perish if my faith is in Christ. And no one will snatch me out of his hand. Right? You can do that. Personalize that when you, when you think of that passage. When you think of the gospel, it's about you if you put your faith in Christ, and it's about you if you haven't, because you need Christ. So what we're being told here is that the evidence of our faith in Christ, the evidence that we are his house, the evidence of this in our own hearts and to those who observe our lives that we have placed our faith in Christ, is that we hold fast. And as we keep holding fast to Christ, not to keep ourselves saved, Jesus does that, but so that we never drift. If indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting and our hope, if you truly placed your faith in Christ, you will. But you won't automatically, chapter 2, verse (laughs) 1, right? I keep going back there because we need that reminder, lest we drift. 
Consider Jesus. Look to Jesus. Remember everything that you've been told. Remember everything you've heard, lest you drift. Pay attention, lest you drift. Be diligent, right? We must be diligent as those who proclaim the name of Christ. We must be disciplined, like that word, or not. And it might help to be disciplined in other areas of our lives besides spiritual matters so that we can practice all kinds of discipline, right? Great. Why did you have to mention that, right? It's a good thing when God is in it and God is in it because his word is about change, becoming more like the Lord Jesus Christ. So what we're seeing here is that the evidence of our faith in Christ, the evidence that we are his house, is that we hold fast. Now, this is important. Because God was speaking to believers in the day this was written about a very real problem then. But it's still a problem today. It's not disappeared. It's not been eliminated. This problem still exists today. And the problem then and now is that many who profess faith in Christ will not hold fast their confidence and their boasting in their hope to the end. And when they do not, it will prove that they never truly trusted in Christ in the beginning. And I'm afraid that we probably, anybody who's been a believer for a length of time, any, any number of years, has probably met someone like that who's, who said, I have trusted Christ. And they seem to grow for a time, and then they seem to disappear and drift away and quit coming to church and remove themselves from fellowship of believers. And you wonder, what happened? What happened? That's not me saying that. That's God's word saying that. Jesus says it this way in Matthew 7, 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Essentially what Jesus is saying there is that, that one's ongoing obedience is the evidence of one's faith in him. One's ongoing pursuit of obedience to the Lord is the evidence of one's faith in him. This is also what we heard when we studied James not too long ago in the book of James. In James chapter 1 and verse 22 in the New International Version it says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Deceive yourselves, right? You'll deceive yourselves if you listen, and you might even be nodding with me here as I proclaim truths from God's word. Yes, yes, good, good. But you turn, and you exit, and you live like the devil this week. Shame on us, right? If we go, good, 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 good news from God's word, good, important things, yes. I can think of a lot of people who need these things. like the guy looking in the mirror, right, from James. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. There are many more examples that we could turn to. So what we're hearing here in Hebrews 3 is a warning. God's word is clear. 
the evidence of true faith is not perfection, but it is growing obedience. Look at verses 7 and 8 again. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. You see, in the day this was written, there was great temptation for those who had proclaimed their faith in Christ to turn from the truth, to drift, to fail to keep keep considering and looking intently with faith to Christ. Sounds a lot like our day, doesn't it? It's much like our day. It's no different, is it? Today, there are likely even more temptations for us to turn from the truth. We have so much, right? We have so much. It's it's easier, as as we're reminded in, in the Word, it's easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle. Why? What's the, what's the comparison? Than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God, right? We have so much. We, we, don't, we don't need anything. And that makes faith a little bit more challenging, doesn't it? You know, when your faith is strongest is when you realize you need God's help and you know that he's the only one who can. And so you get down on your knees, right? Whether you can or not, physically, you get down on your knees in your heart before God and you say, God, help. Because I know you're the only one who can help in this situation right here and right now. And you ought to thank God for those times when when he delivers a wake-up call. You don't have everything you need. And the things that you think you need, you don't need. And the things you don't need, you do need. The things you do need are in his word and delivered by his work and his spirit and his goodness and graciousness towards you, his faithfulness. And so, therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. You see, in that day that this was written, and in this day, the Holy Spirit is saying, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Today is the day for faith in and obedience to God. There's great emphasis here put on that word today. See to it right now, in other words. And there's something else important going on here that you should note. The writer is confirming for us the divine inspiration of the Old Testament when he says in verse 7 that the Holy Spirit says. The Holy Spirit says, and then he quotes what he says the Holy Spirit says in Psalm, from Psalm 95. So in other words, this is, this is God speaking in the Old Testament. The writer points back to the Old Testament and says God was speaking then. And we, and we know that God is speaking now in the text from Hebrews, which we're looking at, and we know that God is speaking today, now, to us. He was speaking to people then, and he's speaking to us now. John MacArthur says this, which emphasizes the importance of recognizing that the Bible is God's word. He says, the Holy Spirit was involved in the writing of every word of Scripture. That is why it is sin in the first degree and opens the floodgates to every kind of heresy possible to deny the absolute verbal inspiration of Scripture. God originated the autographs, the first copies, to the very word. God's word. 
That's why we call it God's Word, right? The Scriptures are God's Word. And just as God was saying to those who would read this letter in the day it was penned, God is saying to us now, today, if you hear my voice, God speaks to you. Today, if you hear my voice, do not harden your hearts. And I would suggest that not one of us is here by mistake. You didn't get here by mistake. You might have gotten up, set your alarm clock, gotten up, clothed yourself, fed yourself, drained a couple of cups of coffee down your throat, right? You thought, I'm taking myself to church today. But God wanted you here. And he's speaking to you today from his word, reminding you of how important it is to keep your eyes fixed on Christ, to remind yourself of everything you've heard from his word, and keep obeying, keep clinging to Christ, keep walking with Christ, obey today. Do not harden your hearts. And just in case we think this isn't a serious problem, God is giving us an example to avoid. Note again the warning in verses 8 through 10. Verse 8, do not harden your hearts as in, for example, the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. We read that and go, how stupid could they be? 40 years of God providing for them? Careful, as if we were there, we'd have done the same thing probably. Verse 10, therefore I was provoked with that generation and said, they always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways. Note that. They have not known my ways. Guess how we can know God's ways today? Do you have a copy of God's word? We we do ourselves a great disservice if we don't read God's word and make it our own make it a part of our lives faithfully, daily. God says, therefore, I was provoked with that generation and said, they always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Hear the warning. Do not harden your heart against God and his word. Do not harden your heart against God and his word. If you are an unbeliever today who is hearing of Jesus Christ, and maybe not for the first time, you've had other opportunities to trust in Jesus. The day for you to trust in Christ, if you have not already done so, is today. I heard some time ago the example of D.L. Moody, who preached to his congregation and challenged them with the truths of scriptures and then said, go home and think about it and come back tomorrow ready to make a decision. And that night was the Chicago fire. And many people in his congregation were lost. Moody said, I would never ever say that again. Go home and think about it and come back tomorrow and make a decision. He says, today. True, isn't it? You don't know if you'll have a tomorrow. You're so well off, and I'm so well off, that we're planning on tomorrow, aren't we? But we don't know. 
if there'll be a tomorrow for us. So I say, if you haven't trusted in Christ, today is the day for you to repent of your sin to God in prayer and, and confess your belief and trust in his son, Jesus Christ, and he will save you. And I would suggest that, that you don't need to hear the rest of what I have to say if right now you will talk to God in prayer. You can tune me out if you'll talk to him. You can do it right where you are. Do not wait for me to finish. Tomorrow will one day be too late. And to those of you who profess faith in Christ, today is the day to keep obediently following Christ. Do you proclaim the name of Christ? You say, I trust in Jesus Christ. And I'm not asking you to tell me that I remember a time when I was a little kid and somebody helped me say a prayer so I know I'm saved. Or I remember a time when somebody called me to come forward and make a decision and I signed a card so I know I'm saved. That's not what God's word says. God says examine yourself. To look carefully at yourself. To see if you are in the faith. What does your life say about your faith? Are you clinging to Christ? Or have you hardened your heart? You realize it's possible to be here and have a hard heart against God's word. To be here to please someone else. Or because it makes you feel better somehow to go to church. You need the gospel. Those who profess faith in Christ, today is the day to keep obediently following Christ. Keep your eyes of faith fixed on Christ as you seek to live for the glory of God every day. And if you're not seeking to live for the glory of God, if you're not seeking to please Him, you need to examine your life to discern whether you've truly trusted Christ and put all your faith in Him for the forgiveness of your sins because coming to church will not save you. Pleasing others will not save you. And the only way to please God is to humble yourself before Him and trust in His Son, the one He sent to save you from your sins and me from my sins. Praise God. Today is the day of obedience. Otherwise, you could end up like the people who hardened their hearts, the people of Israel, who hardened their hearts against God even while they were seeing miracle upon miracle upon miracle. They were seeing the very hand of God provide for their daily needs, providing for their every need. And because they went astray in their hearts, because they put God to the test, because they did not obey him, God said of them, they shall not enter my rest. They would wander in the desert for 40 years. And that generation who put God to the test would not enter the promised land. We see it at the end of our passage where the warning continues in verse 15. Go look at verse 15 again and following. As it is said, today if you hear his voice, 
Do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For who were those who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not all those who left Egypt led by Moses? They saw, they saw all those plagues. They saw God's work again and again and again. They saw God lead them, divide the waters. They walked through on dry ground. And what did they do? They disobeyed. Verse 17, and with whom was he provoked for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were what? Disobedient. And so we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. Noted. Unbelief. That is the ultimate sin. Unbelief. Unless that be us, the writer of Hebrews, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is saying to all of us, go back up to verse 12, take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God but exhort one another every day as long as it is called today that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin for we have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end Holding your, your original confidence in Christ firm to the end is evidence that you truly trusted Christ. Immediate action is what's required of us all today. Immediate obedience. I know that for each person in this room, there's represented at least one need or more for each person, right? We have our own needs. God knows our hearts. We know often better than anybody else around us what we're struggling with and the needs that we have in our own lives at this time. And even God knows better than you do what you really need. And God's word speaks to your needs, speaks to my, my needs. I would, I would suggest that most, if not all of us, really know what we need to be doing. There's something in our lives that we need to change in obedience to God to submit to him, to humble ourselves before him and say, God, I am going to obey you in this. I have not trusted you with this until now, but I must. I don't know what that need is for you, but I know some things in my life that I need to submit to God daily. And I'm suggesting that you likely know that there's some things that you need to do today and not put off until tomorrow. Immediate action is what's required of us all. Immediate obedience, lest our hearts, and here's the warning, lest our hearts be found evil and unbelieving, leading us to fall away from the living God. So what do we do? We exhort one another. That's why I talked this morning about we sing to each other. We sing to God in praise, right? But we sing to each other. We exhort one another with these wonderful truths drawn from the scriptures, which we we sing to each other to remind each other to hold fast and cling to these truths. So we exhort, we encourage one another as long as it's still today. For we have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. Hold firm, believer.
unbeliever, repent, turn from your sin, trust in Christ, and then start holding firm to Christ. Firm to the end. He'll keep you. You surrender. And that's for believers also. Daily surrender to God and his word by the power of he who is in you, who is greater than he who is in the world. Let's pray. Our precious Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for Jesus Christ. We thank you for what he has accomplished in our place on the cross, taking what we so deserve, the punishment we deserve, your wrath poured out on your Son. How gracious you are. How obedient the Son. That we might have life in his name. Oh God, I pray. Are there unbelievers today? You know. Draw them to yourself. Break the stony soil of their heart. Break it up, Lord, so they might hear the, the proclamation of truth from God's word today, to hear you speak to them, and to see Jesus Christ for who he is, that they might put their faith in him, their trust in him, their dependence upon him, repenting of their sins, believing in Jesus Christ for eternal salvation. And the Lord help them to cling to Christ and keep considering Jesus. And, and Father, for every believer here today, every every person who's proclaimed their faith in Christ, oh God, that we would cling to Christ daily, remembering, reminding ourselves, rejoicing in the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is not about anything that we could do for ourselves, but all about what Jesus Christ has done and is doing for us. So Lord, I pray, Help us not to harden our hearts as in the rebellion. Help us to hear your voice today. Help us not to harden our hearts. Help us to obey. Speak to our, each of our hearts. We, we know, Lord, often what we need to do in obedience to your word. And may we be people who examine the word daily. That you might speak to us through your word, challenge us to Christ-likeness daily that we might become more like your son by the power of your word and work of your spirit within all those who are yours, that we might proclaim the name of Christ with our lives and that we might know the joy of the Lord as our strength as we await our eternal home kept kept in heaven for us. We praise you and thank you for Jesus Christ and his finished work for us on the cross. Lord, help us to keep considering Jesus and to do so today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.